When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast, featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with the two-time USA Olympic Committee Coach of the Year, now famous for producing two current pros, Katie Volunets, which is one of the nicest young up-and-coming players on tour, most polite, uh, and Jensen Brooksby. And I think when you meet those two players, their personality, their discipline, their respect for other people is what stands out. Not just their game and a hard-nosed style, but just the kind of kids that they are and how they greet people they don't know and the respect that they show. I think that directly um, reflects on not only their parents, but also the coaches, because the coaches in this sport really have a big impact on how kids behave on the court and just in public and with their peers. And so I want to welcome to the show, Joseph Gilbert, who is known for his discipline and it shows in the way Katie and Jensen behave. And I've had very intimate interaction with both of them and it's legit. It's not fake. You know, you can fake it for 15 minutes, but for a whole week, you can't fake being nice. You can't fake being polite. You can't fake respect. So that's kudos to you, Joseph, and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate all those uh, kind words. Yeah, no, the, the Jensen and Katie, good kids, hardworking kids, disciplined kids. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a joy to work with them. It's been uh, a lot of years. And um, just in general, the whole academy, you know, we've got good families. We've got good kids got a uh, good staff. You know, I can't take all the credit. Uh, uh, my staff does an amazing job, an amazing job. They're there. Uh, uh, spent a lot of time developing staff as much as developing players. And um, I got a great, great team on my hands and, and just an overall uh, took a lot of years, but, but um, you know, we we're we're a bit of a family out here now in Sacramento at the courts and it's, it's really cool. So you say it took a lot of years. So I started my academy back uh, 2005. Okay. Right. And we were in a five indoor court facility from about 2000, from 2005, 2008, we were just outdoors. Then we were in an unheated armory yep. in Chicago, wintertime, wintertime. <laughs> North face jackets. Yeah. Oh, I got to make a seat. There we go. I got to make a seat. And then we moved to an indoor course. We had five indoor courts, no outdoor, 2008 to 2017, mm -hmm. uh, nine years. And now we've got 27 courts, indoors and outdoors. So now you're spoiled. Uh, you know what? And, and all, the, <laughs> all the kids who were around in 05 and 08 were like, they call themselves the OGs. They come back now and like, all right, nobody in here has any excuse not to succeed because we were yep. playing gloves and winter hats and, now nah, these guys got indoor, outdoor rain. They come right in. They got clay. They got a gym. They got classrooms. Our kids used to do the, the homework on their lap at the old facility. You know, I mean, now we have desks and 
Wi-Fi, you know what I mean? So <laughs> at times it definitely changed, but uh, I always have a lot of respect for people who choose to create their own academy because it sounds like a good idea. And then you get like fully pregnant with it a year or two in and you're like, why did I do this? Tell me about your, your thought process behind wanting to create an academy and did you know what you were getting yourself into? Oh, 100%. I had no idea. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I just wanted, I just honestly, when I first started an academy, I just wanted to make players better, you know, and just, just develop and, and see how good of a coach I could become and how good of uh, players I could develop. It was a very simple goal, and everything I did was for the benefit of the player and to see, you know, what we could do. And I, I, I didn't start an academy right away. I took one kid and it was pretty risky. And I took one kid and I said, all right, I'm just going to develop this one kid while I was running a tennis facility. And I was a tennis director. I didn't have my own academy yet. And I wanted, I took him at seven years old. I started working with him and he had 12 years old. And then um, I developed him from scratch. And literally the goal was like, all right, let's become the best in Sacramento, you know, so, so I could make a, a living, right? <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, to, and then let's make them the best in NorCal. Then let's win sectionals. Let's go win a national. Let's like, and just take the, the, the progressive steps. And, and he is, a, he, he is a huge part to the foundation that we grew. Um, and he and I kind of did it at first without any academy, without many courts, without, it was just, you know, it was a side project. And when he was about 14, he was in the finals of uh, OHA, uh, which is a big tournament down in Southern Cal. And, um, and I was running a social at, at my club on the weekend and he was in OHI and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be here. I want to be at the tournament <laughs> and I want to, I want to watch it in the, 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 the juices started flowing and the competitiveness and, the development and he ended up winning the tournament and I wasn't there and it's a tournament I've I've won when I was a junior and and so it was it was just really cool to see um you know and then long story short you know he he won Kalamazoo first unseated player uh uh to ever win Kalamazoo won uh three I think three NCAA titles with the University of Virginia on the team Colin Altamirano and and uh you know he was he was my first and, and really, Jensen was about five years younger than him. And Jensen was watching it the whole time. Just, just two different kids because, because Colin grew up with me and him doing it. And then as I did it with Jensen, you know, the academy grew. In 2013, I opened up the academy. That's the year literally. No, in 2011, I opened it up. 2013 was the year Colin won it. So I already did a lot of work with Colin before I opened up the academy, but Jensen was five years younger and we had a group of kids by that time. And um, so it was interesting. Jensen kind of grew up with the academy, with other coaches around, with other kids around, with other developed. Colin kind of just grew up with just me and just me running the show. And so it was interesting, the dynamic between that. Um, and then Katie came along later. I think I've been with her four years now when it was all, the infrastructure was already set. Like, like, like you said, you know, we, uh, Colin and I were like, 
you know, he was running upstairs at a parking lot at a college and we were, you know, jumping on any court. We could get a lot of times we were at a club, but we were, we were, uh, um, you know, setting up individual schedules. It wasn't said. And then I went in leased courts at Willingwood. And it's funny. And that's why I have a question to you too, is, is, you know, with the kids we had, they weren't as polished at the beginning and they weren't as, as good, basically, they were they were you know two stars and three stars coming in that we had to move to four stars and they were they were rough around the edges and they were you know they didn't do as well in school they didn't they, you know they didn't have as much parent supervision and, and as the kids I get in now but um, but they were so competitive like like just like I was a referee out at our academy the first like two or three years I was kicking kids out. They were they were they were breaking rackets like crazy and 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 I was trying to set a culture of like focus and discipline and these guys were testing me just every day. <laughs> and it was so high intense and it was so just edgy just edgy uh, uh, through it and then now you know uh, uh, I'd say so 2011 to to now 11 years later um, you know now we get in like we're getting you know a lot of top players. A lot of straight A students, a lot of very disciplined families, very focused. Like, like I, I swear, the GPA out here is like a 4.0 across the board right. in the academy, and 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 they're all regimented and they're all scheduled, and the parents are made, you know, on top of everything. But then we've lost a little bit of that edge, right? That edginess of that competitiveness, and so yeah. it's such an interesting dynamic. I feel like. The, the latter is better, like, 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 you know, because you're, you're guaranteeing a certain level of success this way, because it's consistent, you know, I'd say um, those first years, our first generation, probably half of them got kicked out of college, or didn't get the grades or, or, or were, were struggling so much on that side. And we didn't get them till they were, I mean, they were 15, 16 year old kids that were just, we were just starting an academy. And uh, uh, you take, you know, we were taking whoever we could, you know, through the door and trying to make them better tennis players. And uh, uh, now, you know, the type we get, uh, 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 we get in here, I love everything about it. It makes my life so easy, but, um, but then we need to harness that fire so much more. It's so, it's so interesting how uh, the culture and the dynamics and, and even the business of what um, the Academy became. Like at first I was just trying to make good tennis players. And then it turned into like, Okay, you know, really, we turned into a model of getting kids into college, right? And and you know, uh, uh, especially when you are capable of producing results, you know, getting them into the Harvards and the Columbias and the Stanfords and the the Virginias, and and then you know, when you start attracting parents that are looking for that, and you're able to do it on a regular, consistent basis. Um, you know, your your business model kind of turns into okay this is what this is what we do right like like and I didn't plan on that I didn't start the academy going hey we're gonna we're gonna get scholarships here and we're gonna get D1 college players and we're gonna get them into these amazing schools Ivy Leagues and we had two kids go to Columbia and uh, uh, two to one to uh, two to Amherst last uh, two years ago and I'm, I, I, it wasn't even crossing my mind. That's what the, the business model, but interesting enough, that's where the business moves, right? And then you have the kids who want to go pro, you have the kids that want to go to college and, and, um, 
and then that's your your base of these academies i would say is is like we're developing players to to get scholarships and go to d1 college and we're developing kids that possibly can go well what's funny you say that is that that really is the 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 base of the academy right when you look at like img's website they promote 98 percent of students at their academy go to go on and play d1 college two percent go pro but i think when parents move to academies they have the reverse expectation they think they're going there to go pro and when you join an academy and you commit right to this process for me i look at it as your kid will probably if your kid's a three four star your kid will probably go to a school regardless right you're moving to an academy to improve the kind of school they go to, right? So, right. No, 100% agree with you. Do you think, and I, 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 this is a question I have, is I believe that's the private sector's fault. I believe the private sector is, is because we have, like, an academy is, is that's one of my things. I didn't even want to name my academy an academy because I feel like an academy has been, like, like the, the word of it's just been just dragged through the mud. Yeah, it's a devil now. Right, right. I just wanted it's synonymous with like drugs and lack of supervision and and spoiled brat and no discipline and too much freedom and injury and overuse, everything. So I I actually named at first I was like it's JMG training. Like it's just training. I left off the word academy because I didn't I didn't like the word because any anybody can turn any group, doesn't matter the level doesn't matter the dedication, doesn't matter the hours, doesn't matter anything, which is unbelievable to me, and just call it like, like, and I see that all the time. I'm like, that, that's not an academy. That's an after-school program. Like, 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 but they will call it an academy, right? right. <laughs> and so, so that's a fine dining restaurant or, or like, like it's, uh, calling it the same as Ruth Chris. Like, like right. it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And so, um, but they're allowed to do this. And then got tennis coaches, you know, very much on the sales side, you know, very much silly and going around to every tournament, pitching and, and telling the parents how amazing their kid is and telling them all of this and selling them the, the pot of gold instead of just like, I feel like where, where we've done well at retaining clients is by being honest. Like, 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 because once you, you, you start that salesman mentality, like basically you're running a marketing ship. And so you're turning over kids like crazy and you're recruiting kids like crazy. And I would say a large portion, a very, very large portion of our private sector industry is that. Well, here's the other thing. The other dangerous thing that happens is this. Once you start down that marketing road, you end up really damaging the kid because every time they lose, you end up selling the parent on the fact that there's something wrong with the kid. Not that we just haven't done our job or we need more time. Well, if the kid is mentally weak or the kid, da 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 da. You said you end up you end up making these excuses for something that doesn't excuse. Your kid just got beat by a better kid, right? Your kid just needs more time. Your kid needs to continue to improve this. And in the process of continuing to improve, they're going to continue to lose the matches, right? As opposed to, it's not my fault. 
my academy's doing everything we're supposed to do. Right. Your kid is just uh, mentally choked, right? right? Or you carried their bag and made them too soft, right? You know what I mean? You start damaging the kid and creating all these insecurities to over-explain losses versus, hey, we're in the process. Kids still developing. There's kids out there who are further developed, probably going to lose some matches, period. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and look at it as a team, right? Like, like, don't point fingers. Like, 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 you know, like, okay, if the kid's a choke, okay, what am I doing to help? Right. What am I doing to fix that? Like, like, what are we doing? Like, like, what are my ideas to, to brainstorm and, and do these things? What is, what is my experience told me that we need to do X, Y, and Z. This has helped these kids. This is this rather than, like you said, but, but that comes, man, that's just from the top down. Like, like coaches and, and, the industry loves to blame the, the the player or blame the coach instead of just like, hey, let's let's work together as a team. Like I went through an interesting, like you talked about parents a little bit before we started it, right? So I went through an interesting time with the academy. The first thing I did when I first opened up the academy with parents was I brought them in and I said, okay, I'm gonna educate them. Like I'm gonna share this fee, I'm gonna have them on court, I'm gonna talk to them a ton, I'm gonna do the meetings. And man, it was a grind and it was so many hours and it was so uh, um, difficult. And, and then, you know, they kind of became coaches in a way, which is not what I wanted. Right. And, and then they thought they were experts, which is not what I wanted. And then the funniest thing is through all that time of sharing my philosophies and thoughts, most of them didn't follow it, even though. I put all that time and effort in explaining it. It was baffling to me. I was like, okay, like, like I, I, I'm the coach. You're paying me to be the coach. This is what I believe you should do. I have, I will agree that I have very different philosophies than everybody else. So it goes against the grain and it, 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 it's, it's very, and I don't know if we want to get into those, but it's very different than a lot of other academies. So I understood why they were reluctant. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you're signed up for it and you believe in the culture and the philosophy, then you either do it or you don't do it. And I'm okay to lose the customer. But this is what, what I believe is what is best for your child to develop through this system. And um, so, so that didn't work. So in a, in a really bad way, I'd say after a couple of years, I just kicked all the parents out. And I just said, okay, I'm done with this. It's a waste of time. It's not working. Uh, uh, I'm not going to deal with it, right? Which every every coach does at some point in their career. And then I was like, all right. But then I had no accountability to the kids. So then I got kids running around. I got them off schedule. I got them on their phones too much. I'm not getting the stretching. I'm not getting them hitting serves. I'm not getting everything I want. So that didn't work. So I had to go in there and go, okay, new strategy. Like, like. <laughs> Like, like bring the parent in, sit down with the kid and go, we're a team, okay? This is your responsibility. This is your responsibility. This is my responsibility. We all agree on this. Yes, okay. Here's your list of things you need to do for him. This is your list as a player. This is my list. We'll come in here, we'll meet. Who's holding up their end of the bargain? Who's being accountable all the time? That kind of stuff. We're not pointing fingers. We're working together as a team. And I swear, I've it took me, I've been doing that the last five years. And my parents, 
issues, which every academy has, has skyrocketed down. And, and, and now I can honestly say after doing it and doing it with enough families and we have the families um, in here that started off that way, I would say the culture of the families are a team and, and we are working together at a team. So now I come here and, and I feel good about uh, uh, coming to work and working with these families and doing these things. And, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not um, uncomfortable. I'm not mad at any parents. Like, like I'm not frustrated. I'm not because, because we've set the rules, we've set it. And, and then if they don't follow it, which is you, because at the end of the day, this is a business is you got to stand your ground and you got to say, okay, you, you don't work for our academy and you don't, you're, it, 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 it's not that you're wrong. It's not that I'm right. It, it's, it's just not how we do it. And it's okay. There's another academy out there for you that is going to work better for you than it is for us. And I swear when I say that, it almost brings up sales. Like, like rather than trying to sell, like, because I'm sitting there going, look, we, we, we don't see eye dot, right? Right. And we don't, we don't agree that this should be this way. And it's okay. Like, and, and, and then we move on. Or we agree and, and, and we work together. And yeah. so uh, since I've done that, oh man, life got a, a, a thousand times easier. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let me ask you this, because we talked about how when you started out coaching, it was just you, just you in the kitchen. Now there's other people. Uh, when I first started, it was like just me. Yep. But then the kids would go somewhere else to a group and come back to me. Oh, well, since I said I need to be doing this. And I'm like, they're wrong. No, you don't. Right. Since <laughs> I said, uh, girls shouldn't volley. They're wrong. You're yeah. going to learn how to volley. Right. And I really, I was bothered by yeah. other people's input. Right. It made it, I felt that it made it, it made it harder for the kid to commit yep. to what I'm saying at that age. Yep. Now it's different. Now I'm like talking to other coaches. I talk to, Every day I'm on the phone with another coach, just talking tennis, that kind of thing. So it's different now where I receive more feedback, have more conversations, more of a two-way dialogue and value that versus early on. And it wasn't like an ego thing. I think it was just when you're coaching young kids who can't play, they got to get discipline. They got to get routine. They got to get like just repetition, right? So I think, which do you prefer? The, yeah, side, the part where it's just you or the part where now you got 10 other coaches, we sit around, what do we think, how do we think this kid can be successful? Okay, let's do it your way, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so, so I'm never, so what I tell all the parents, whether you pick our academy or you pick another academy or you pick a coach, you got to learn their philosophy and their way. I go, if you're, if you're going around learning 10 different philosophies, right? Like all you're doing is, in my opinion, confusing the kid. Like, like you, there is no way you're going to come to our academy 
And then I know go down to the academy down the street and it's going to see eye to eye. That would be like, does Bill Belichick run the same system as Steve Kerr or Greg Popovich or like these are all cultures on its own and they're all successful for certain reasons. I go, so when you come into that system, what a parent would, should do is go see the academy and go, does this work for our lifestyle? Does it work for our kid? Does it work for our bodies? Are we attracted to this as humans? And as people dive into that system, don't, don't go have your kid go around because, because I do find like, like the more I can get a kid developed, there's no doubt about it. Jensen, seven years old to now, Colin, seven years old. Uh, uh, my four, we have four or five, six, seven-year-olds are there. I can easily say if we have a kid at five, six years old here that is focused and, and disciplined and, and wants the lifestyle and does the, the our, everything we say to do, it is a 100% guaranteed we get them into a really big college. Now, not all of them want to do it which is fair enough. Like this is a tough lifestyle. It's a disciplined lifestyle. It's a, it's a, it's a monotonous lifestyle. Like the personalities can make it fun, but drop feeding the ball at six in the morning is drop feeding the ball at six in the morning. Any, any way, any way you slice it and it's not fun, but it in tennis has got to stop trying to be fun. Like, like it's okay that it's not fun. It teaches discipline. It teaches focus. It makes like when tennis players get done with tennis, they're they're better citizens. They 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 have better uh, successful in life. They do better in jobs. They do better. Like this is what tennis does. So start marketing tennis this way. Stop saying we're cooler. We're as fun. Like basketball is way more fun than tennis. Like like way more cool. The clothes are cool. cool. The shoes yeah. are cool. Yeah. What you're getting like look at college right and uh, 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 all the colleges. Like the tennis team has the highest GPAs. They have like, so, so like, this is what tennis is. Embrace it. And then for me, like we have a, we have a philosophy on technique. We have a philosophy on strategy. We have a philosophy on style. We have a philosophy on, on, on uh, uh, weaknesses and how to play points and, and, and our goals and, and everything like that. So if you come into this system, what I've done is, is, is um, and I had to go through my learning curve on this too, is I took, I took coaches from a young age, mostly out of college, and I trained them from scratch. And I said, hey, leave your past at the door because I learned how to coach almost doing the opposite of what I do. And I, I wanted a clean slate in my head and just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a house from scratch. And then I'm gonna see, how this house turns out. And now I've built a thousand houses. So now I'm better at building houses and building players. And so when I get a, 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 a young, usually player in that wants to become a coach, I go, leave what you've done at the door. Look at this philosophy. Look at how I've built these houses. Do you like these houses? Does it look consistent and good? And then do you want to learn this philosophy and then put your own personality and your own style to it? But then, like, like I guarantee Bill Belichick's not, like, nobody's running loose with a different philosophy and ideas than that. Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr or 
or Pat Riley or, or these top coaches, right? Like there, there's a philosophy, there's a style, this is what they believe in, this is what you're going for. So if you're going to do it in a community, like an academy, you're going to have to set that culture. You're going to have to set that style. You're going to have to set that, the, 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 the expectations, the goals of our academy. And when we were in Sacramento, was not a tennis town when I opened up by any means. Like, like where we're, we're, we weren't known as NorCal being strong. We're not, not like, like, like we're not known as developing pro tennis players and top D1 college players and top national players. We're very much known as Southern Cal's always better than us. Like, like changing the culture, right. And, and changing these philosophies and I, these ideas that like, because of where you were born, you're a better tennis player or not. That's the, that, that, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, like, like at the end we of hear the- it in the Midwest all the time. You can't make it from Illinois. Illinois had Donald Young, Taylor Townsend. Yeah. Some, I mean, yeah. like, tons of Midwest like cities. Right. And like Detroit, now Washington. I mean, so many people have come out of the Midwest, these cold weather cities that that is the dumbest thing ever. And mm-hmm. a lot of kids who end up in Florida started in like Jack Sock, right? Started in a, uh, Andy Roddick, Nebraska, or DC, or James Blake in New York, like born in Florida, they migrated to Florida, but they were probably top 10 in the world in juniors when they went there, There right? So that that same thing where it's like location determines your success is like one of my biggest pet peeves. Well, that's why there's uh, 90,000 academies in Florida marketing like, nobody's business to to because their population is going to get so much higher because everybody's willing to fly there. And when Jet when Colin won Kalamazoo in 2013, they're like, well, what does this mean? I go, it means you don't have to fly to Florida for to become a champion. Very, very, very I go, that's as simple as what I want it to mean. I don't want it to mean anything more than that. And then to have three, right, in six years. We had Colin win in 2013, Jensen win uh, I think like four years later, and then the year after that, Katie went, and and to have three in like six years from this Sacramento area, like like on twelve courts with five coaches, like okay, like 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 listen, guys, you know, just just do the work. Well, let me ask you this: How often? Because you know, tennis players come, especially players who played in college. Right. They believe in their style. They're so loyal to their coaches because they believe that their coaches have such a huge impact on their life, which is definitely a fact. How often do you do you find that you're getting guys to buy into a totally different philosophy? Is it like. 80 percent, 50 percent. Now it's 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 a I'll give you I'll give you uh, I'll give you a funny one. Right. So, so I remember doing this. A uh, uh, guy came in, like you said, pretty good college player. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, comes out on the court with a private specifically asked for me. Uh, I was like, all right, you know, and and he was he was a good level. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll jump out there. And he was pushing hard for me to to do it. And I don't I don't jump out there a ton right now. And uh, I go out there, and he goes, well, I want to work on this, this, and this. And then you know, I smiled at him, and I said, listen. Um, I'm going to give you a lesson and, and, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I see and what you need to work on and how to get better and where the holes are and what I think is good and what I think is bad. And then at the end of the lesson, you know, if you disagree with it, we don't have to do it anymore. And if you agree with it, great, we can keep progressing. I said, but 
I, I can't have the student running the ship. Like, like, and, and it's not to be mean, but that, that, that is what I'm getting paid for here. And the funniest thing, the funniest thing is, is at the highest level, because of how our business culture is set up, that's the funniest thing is I feel like more players are running the ship to an extent than actual coaches, which then is, 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 is such an interesting phenomenon that when I go out there and I watch it, so, I mean, that was the biggest reason why I was, I was comfortable going on the pro tours because I've been with Jensen since he was seven years old. And, and like, like, it's not a, we're not debating a lot of stuff here. Like, like this is, this is what we do. This is the schedule. This is the technique. This is the strategy. And so very much now at this point, a kid comes in to our program, we present what we do, and then they make a decision whether they like it or not. So, so we have a certain philosophy, right? And a parent will go, I want my kid to play this way. And I'll be like, well, this is, this is the philosophy the academy believes in. So make a decision whether you, you want to do this or not. I said, because we're not, we're not changing what we do. And I said, you know what? There's a lot of academies that, that teach what you want. We don't, but there's a lot of academies that do. So if you want that, I'm not against it. I don't say anyone's wrong or right. I just say this is the, you know, because I don't believe that. Like, I believe there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. I'm not saying I know more than anybody else. I'm just saying like the, 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 what I found the best way to do it is to, to have a philosophy that you'll, you'll move it to that way. And this is how we're going to train. This is how we're going to win. This is how we're going to execute. This is our belief system. And if you like it, you know, let's, let's get to work. And, and you know what? For me, it makes it fun to come to work. I'm not fighting. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. So last year I was commentating a match. It was like last year during the summer, Jensen was having his, you know, his run, running City Open, running U.S. Open. I was commentating for Tennis Channel. And I was looking, I think he had just beaten TFO. And I was like, nothing special, not overly big. Not overly quick, not a lot of razzle-dazzle. You know, you're sitting there trying to figure out. The best part. (laughs) Yeah, like what makes them good? You know what I mean? And on tour, yeah, I've been on tour with eight years now, right? Uh, Been second week of slams, all that kind of stuff. And so what I always find it interesting is the players that are most sure about how they win are the ones that win. Oh, and yeah. there will be stylistic bad matchups, right? Yep. For you and your style. And yep. you might lose those matches. But winning a slam is getting the right set of matches, right? You need the right seven matches, right? And you got to be healthy. And if you get the right, it's like the right draw, right? The right draw really to me is. I don't know. I don't know. We might be on this one. The right, the right. There are some styles that will drive other styles crazy, right? But then you can't have Djokovic win for so many years. Well, see. His style's not correct. You don't think his style's correct? No, I do think it's correct. Oh, I was about to say, the the reason why. I think it's the best style. Well, and and, here's the thing what makes him great though. I guess my point is he's fully committed and he plays really sure under pressure. So you look at the men's tennis, most of the sets are at four all. 
And the player that is most sure about what they should be doing under pressure and not getting out of their body, doing something different, just try to make out his game, that is the player that wins a Grand Slam. And so when I was looking at Brooksby, I was like, he's clear on how he's supposed to play, how he's supposed to play, Yeah. right? He's not trying to like, for this particular match, do a bunch of things differently, right? There are some tactics that he's employing, but in general, he's crystal clear on how he wins. And he's not deviating for the sake of trying to make it out of the fourth round. You know what I mean? And I think that is what I observe most about him. And I think that's what Djokovic, Djokovic doesn't really deviate and and he can, right? Because he can do it all, but he doesn't really go out of the box where you see some guys who try to like overplay or do something. Hey, to beat this player, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Only problem is you're not good at doing X, Y, and Z. So you're better off doing A, B, and C, right? right? So that's what I've noticed about Jensen. So is that the way that you built him and so, so, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, 100%, if a kid has a clear and a player has a clear goal of how they're going to win, right? Like, like, like that, that is, that builds confidence, period. Like, like it just, it just gives them a pathway. It gives them a simple thought. It, it, it's what they can rely on and what they can go back to. I do think there's certain styles that are better than other styles. Like, like, 100%, I think they win over the long haul. I think their percentage over time, which we much, very much believe in. I think uh, um, when they're playing cards, which tennis players love to do, they're playing percentages, right? And I believe Djokovic and Nadal are playing, and even to an extent Medvedev, are playing higher percentage points and higher percentage plays and more disciplined plays than, than most of the tour on a consistent basis. And if you do that, throughout 52 weeks, years, so many points over so many years, you're going to have more success. And so, so it's, it's very, so I'll give you an example, right? For America, I feel America is, has been, they're better at it now, infatuated with big weapons. Like, like we're gonna have the biggest serve, we're gonna big have serve, the big forehand. And, we're gonna have we're gonna have the best athletes. We're gonna have the fastest. We're gonna have this right. And so now look at look at Americans players. They had for the last ten years, to me, fifteen years, some of the biggest weapons. They had the biggest serves. They had the biggest forehands. I can go uh, Isner and Jack Sox forehand and and Query serve and 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 I can go through the list of weapons, 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 weapons. It's not working, per se, at the highest level. So that strategy to me, that philosophy to me, wasn't wasn't going to to beat the players with less weaknesses. And so, so then, the, that that is a philosophy I I just believe in. I don't think Djokovic has the biggest weapon on anything. I, have, I believe he has the least amount of weaknesses. If you can tell me why Ferreira, to an extent, has had a better career than Malfis, then, then, then you know coaching. And then, and, then, and then you're looking at like these, these details. That because while, while nobody 
likes, quote unquote, the way Medvedev plays because it's not flashy, it's not entertaining, it's not athletic looking, it's not beautiful, it's not huge game, it works. And so if you can figure out, I, uh, Jensen made a run at the US Open through um, qualies, and then he, he beat Burditch, and then he was up a set in two breaks on um, Bush, Bush Villageville. Uh, Bush Villageville, yeah. Yeah, there we yeah. go. And, and he, he, and that's when he was like 18. It was, it was uh, um, very young. He's tied on the jet and, and he had a good run. And so I brought my coaches in and I said, okay, Jensen won one, two, three, four matches and was ahead in the fifth match. And I said, he was, he had a weaker serve than everybody he played. He was slower than everybody he played. He didn't hit as big of a ball than everybody he played. He was less experienced than everybody he played. So every logical reason of why coaches believe players win, he should have lost every match. Now, if he wins a set, you can call it lucky. If he wins a match, you can say the guy tanked. But if you win four matches at that level, well, then you got to look at it and go, okay, what's he doing? And, and it's interesting to me that, that it's, very, it's very hard to see, like, like why, why Medvedev is winning matches, why these guys are winning matches in comparison to other guys. And, and very much it's very, from our, our past and how we believe it should be played like, like the vision of what, what tennis looks like, right? It's like everybody gave Nadal a hard time for playing 90 feet back. Everybody, when he first came out, like everybody, the same commentators that praise him today are the exact same commentators that, that said you can't win from playing so far back then identical and nobody's come out and said hey i was wrong <laughs> medvedev's playing the same way Zverev the same way right right so 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 why aren't they why why aren't we trying to figure out why that works rather than being negative and and pick it apart right like like i'm not i'm not going to sit there and question what what the number two guy in the world and one guy in the world and and these guys are doing Jensen last up? He he probably did it from what people told me. One of the fastest, and he did it during coronavirus point, virus points, which is astronomically hard to do. Nobody was saying that, but like, hey, you pretty much protected the top hundred for like three years here, and 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 now like the only way to break through is through wild cards, and and you can't actually do it through a fair system. And, and I was looking at it going like, well, he's doing, he's doing good things, right? And, and then the commentary on it was never trying to figure out what he was doing. It was just what he does, what he can't do. And I feel like that's what coaches do, right? Like they walk around and go, well, this player can't do this. This player can't do that. This player can't do that. And I'm sitting there going, well, can't anybody do that? Like, like, can't, can't anybody walk around and go, this player can't do that? Well, can you actually fix that? Like, like, can you, can you, can you put these together, pieces together? Can you, 
instead of like you said, like okay, like blame the player, right? Like he's a choke or he's this or 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 he's not doing this or he's not doing that or those things and get to know the player and why, right? Like why is it this way? Like why do they you know know their past? And so that's one thing that's so fun for me is developing kids from scratch the way we do it right like like I see all the pro tour coaches jumping from player to player to player to player and and like I'm watching that and I'm like man I don't I don't think I could ever do that like like it's 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 very much a managerial position yeah and I don't look at it as coaching even and the way the tour is set up and I've only been on it for a year it's like there is a need for a managerial position because it is it is the most chaotic, crazy, uh, 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 like unorganized, just cluster uh, of a mess. Like I felt like life was so simple at junior tennis and and uh, challengers and ITFs and like like so simple. And then I got to the highest level tournaments. I was like, these are the most inconvenient, most chaotic most distracting, most non-about tennis I have ever been in. And I really, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know if I like it. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 I like the hotel, it's nice. And I like the money. And I like the, 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 the crowds. And I like the energy. And I like the competition. But like the actual... Like like uh, the setup, right? The setup, and and that goes back to, you know, going to Winter Nationals at Arizona in a park at sixty degrees at night, and the kids oh, yeah. been on the court eighty eight hours that day, and there's no referee on the court. Like, and the lights I, are bad, right? Yeah, do I really like this system, right? Like, are we looking at the system? Take away players and take away everything else and like 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 i said most academies you know what they're doing and so i just look at it as an overall setup and go like hey do i do i look at the system and 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 then i just look at it as a game right like okay these are the rules this is the system how do i maneuver around it to to make it the best for my players like like it's not let me say trust trust me from Coaching a player to win the U.S. Open, which to me is the hardest slam to win because it's the most chaotic between the traffic, right? I mean, you got to leave three hours early. You don't know what traffic is going to be. You might get, then you get there too early because there was no traffic this day between the hotel, the bed bugs, the stressful, big, big campus, but small eating area, small player gym, like really kind of out of balance. I can tell you that it it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it is a managerial position. I would say to coach a player to win a grand slam, right? And I've been in two slam finals with a player. It makes the job longer. Yep. It makes four or five hours of watching film to actually get tactics to win the match. And then it makes it 12 to 13 hours on trying to control as much of the other stuff do we have to do a sweep visit? Okay, what time? Yep. We're going to do it before practice or after practice. Let's make sure it's at the same time as practice when I have the site too long. Yep. Who are we going to practice with? 
who can we potentially line up in a draw? Do we need somebody with a little more chip? Do we need a lefty? Um, when are we going to stop all press? Is it Friday before the Monday? Is it Saturday before the Monday? Right? Yeah. Who's going to actually come to the tournament? All of this stuff I can't stand, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, but that is so, so. So one of the one of the when I was coaching in 2017, one of the commentators before I started commentating, one of the commentators said, "Yeah, well, Kamal didn't actually coach her to the title." He just managed the process, right? So in my, yeah, in my mind, I said, well, Joe Torre managed the Yankees. There so you go. I'll take that. I'll take that as well, right? There because so many, so many other coaches fucked it up and didn't manage the process, right? right? You know right, what I mean? Right, so, right. so I'll take that, right? But the tactics also still worked. Yes. You know what I mean? But so I, I'll take that. But it's just, it's just like what you said. It is. You, well, it's the most thankless job too, because the way our, 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 same thing, our system is set up, right? Like, like they, 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 like at least basketball and football and, 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 you know, they give the coach some clap, right? Like they give the coach some, some uh, space to work with their men. I don't know if you feel it, but when, when I'm at a tournament, I feel like I'm a second class citizen there. Like, 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 like it is, it is the pros. And then, like you are when you're talking to everybody and walking through there and, and trying to get things done. I mean, it is just like like, can't, like you can't get anything done. You got to be rude. You got to be mean. You got to be like like like. And I'm just sitting there going, what, what what like? How is the strict? Do you think Steve Kerr is like trying to find basketball courts? Like, how can we get a practice court? Why you got forty courts out here? Why can't I get one? Why do I have to share? I get it. Right. Like it's, 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 it's beyond me. So that job of the managerial job to an extent is, is to a degree out at those tournaments are, is, is as important as the tactics and, and the game and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's important. It's important. It's just, it's just so much to it that it wasn't that important at the challenges. It's not that important at the ITFs. It's not that important at junior tennis. It's actually non-existent at those places for the most part. You got a little bit to deal with, but but very, very small. Like even the, the tournaments, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, and I, I know it's for financial reasons, but it drives me nuts. Like give us a stipend for hotels and I can stay at whatever hotel I want. And then I can put it next to a practice court and I don't have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Give us a stipend for a car. Stop, stop, stop sending me shuttles. Like, give me a car and I can make life easier here. Give me a stipend for food. Mm-hmm. Like, like, give me, instead of giving us the badges and, and making us stay at the site all day to eat food and to do all of that, give me a stipend. Give me, give me the ability to, to, to set this up in a way that is convenient for the tennis, our, our, for the yeah. tennis and for our player, right? And every one of those decisions, my gut is, I haven't, I don't know, and I haven't talked to anybody, so I don't know. But every one of those decisions comes down to they will make less money if they do that. Yeah. That's that's my guess. Like, like I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I'm thinking, you know, the hundred dollars on the badge, uh, buying back food that they're selling, you know, at, at outrageously dick, ridiculous, you know, a six dollar water one time, like, like. You know, I, I, I'm just sitting there going, okay, I know what you're doing here. And, and, and so I just, 
I just feel like if somebody looked at the overall system and then is this healthy for our players, right? You're watching all these players get, get like, it's just like the juniors, right? Is not having a referee on a court with two 11 year olds, throwing them in a cage, telling them their parents can't talk to them for two hours. And, and is this healthy? Like, is this healthy? Is it healthy to throw a 12 year old girl against a 16 year old girl with no referee and is this healthy, right? So is what the ATP tour and the WTA tour are doing in these scenarios of this highly, highly stressed setup, is it healthy for the players? And from what I'm looking at of all these players, I'm saying I don't want to pick on one or the other and social media and all the distraction. Yes, they get paid a lot of money. Like I get it, like I get it, but Money and health has nothing to do with each other. Well, I will say this. The, the people who you see win over and over again have learned how to manage that. They've invested in themselves where, you know what? When I stay at the player's hotel, keep your per diem or whatever. We're gonna, I'm going to bring my own chef yep. so I don't get food poisoning and I don't have to sit here and be around everybody that I'm trying to kill because this is a competition. Yes, um, you know, they, they, they take that and invest it in themselves versus yeah, let's yeah. take the free resources that Terman provides, right? If, if you don't provide a car, I'm going to rent my own car. So it gives like an advantage yep. to players who are already at the top because they have the money. They got the car deal. So every time they land in yep. whatever city, Serena's got a Lincoln or somebody yep. else got a Mercedes, right? Yep. So it gives those players an advantage. If well, those players understand the need to invest and control the environment. Do you think that's a that has a decent cornerstone on why the players stay there so long at the top? Well, I think I think the people that stay there so long at the top, they view coaching, they view all the stuff it takes at the tournament as an investment instead right. of an expense. Right. It's a business. Players who are 25 and below are viewing the coaching, the hotel, the food. Uh, oh, well, I don't pay for drinks from my coach. That's an expense to them, there right? They're, they're not looking at, you know what? Go out, my team, eat what you want to eat because we're going to be on the road for six weeks. I need yeah. you to be happy. I don't right. need you to be in a rush to get home, right? right? right. And you know what? I'll pay for one drink, right? right. They, people who view that as an expense don't under, they're not going to get there. Because no, no, that's really, really good. Because that, like I said, we've been out there a year and you see the expenses and you see the cost and you see, you see this with the, with, with, with Katie and Jensen and, and I, I, I'm going to hear, I'm going to have them, have them hear what you just said, because uh, um, it's, it's so interesting because I've actually said that I said, okay, whatever amount you make, right. This is the percentage of business runs. At. And I said, take this percentage and invest it back into yourself. And, and, and just, if you make a hundred thousand and most businesses have to pay 35 to 35 to 40% on your employees. Okay. Made a hundred thousand. That means you're spending 30 to 35,000 on your employees. Most businesses in the first year, first three years don't make any money. So that means in the first three years, you're going to spend a hundred percent on your business. Right. And so, 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 and to get a tennis player to do that, right. Is, is almost virtually impossible. It's very well, because, because those players that we're talking about who are making on tour at some point started getting everything for free. 
There you go. Right. And then it's like, oh, shit, I got, now I got to pay for coaching. Yeah. You make <laughs> So, so I, I think it's a, you're, you're right. It's, there's so many wrinkles in the system that don't feed the progression, right. And set up a player mentally there to go. actually run a business. Cause you are running a business, right. You've got the business. So I don't even know if it's the best tennis player always winning. It's, it's almost who's running the business the best. Yes. Yes. Right. And who understands that. And then who has, the, the the team that can say, all right, I need to like spend three hours, nobody talk to me on watching film, designing the tactics to help us yeah. make it out of this match. There you go. No matter, no matter if the player is 90 in the world, somebody 90 in the world will still beat you if you're 10 in the world with the wrong tactics and the wrong game, right? So yeah, I mean the skills and the margin for victory is just not it's just not that hot. Yeah. So 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 it's it's you, you, like you said, you have to be so clear on how you're going to win. You have to have a very clear strategy. You have to have a very clear mind. You have to compete really well. And if you do those things, you're, you, you can be so far ahead of the game. And that's why all of a sudden athleticism gets kind of, kind of like, like, like knocked out there. Not, and, not and that important. Right. Who, who hits the biggest? Well, not not quite as important. And, and you know, I had a, a 14 year old girl last two days play in a, a 25K uh, UTR event, right? And, and she's playing college players, right? And, and our girl's uh, uh, not, not the biggest girl, and skinny girl and small girl, and she's playing bigger, stronger. And you know, she, she won both matches pretty handily. And I'm like, okay, like at the end of the day, the, 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 the Serena's, yes, very strong, very athletic, very, very, very physical, but she's ran the business unbelievably well. And she's mm-hmm. made unbelievably good decisions over a long period of time. Nadal has run the business unbelievably well. Djokovic has run the business unbelievably well. And it's from all of those steps that I believe I'm, I'm, I'm seeing and learning and, and watching that is such a difference. Now they do have huge advantages once they get up there, right? And, and once you're, once you're um, that way, and that's what I, I find so interesting is like they don't have it in the match, right? Like in the actual match. I think, I think Nadal said that the other day. They're like, do you think you have an advantage? And he goes, no, in the match I don't. But he kind of said it in the match, right? And I was right. like, that's because you know you do outside of the match (laughs) because if i was a if i was a a interviewer i would have gone right to that next question and been like okay how big are your advantages outside of the match in comparison to all your competitors and then those advantages are just off the charts i mean they're just off the charts and so that's where um and you can go on for hours talking about that advantages with whether it's federations, whether it's sponsors, whether it's, you know, whether it's meta revenue, whether it's what family you came from, whether it's, whether it's, uh, are you marketable? Whether it's, it's, it's what, what, what country are you from? What, what, like now all the event, like, like it's crazy to me. So I feel like if you spend time on it, you're just going to drive yourself nuts. It's just, <laughs> a matter of, of these are the rules, right? You're playing a game. And that's how I look at it. Like, okay, these are the, this is the game, right? And and too many people sit there and complain about it. Like, and maybe that's what I'm doing right now. I don't think I am, but I hope I'm not. But 
I'm just kind of explaining the system. And then you take this system and it is what it is, but like, like you're, 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 you're maneuvering it through it. And so through the juniors, I maneuvered through the system. Okay. Like, like a bit of points. Like I didn't like points uh, uh, so much through the juniors. And so uh, I never chased points, never cared about seeds. I think we've had probably five to six national titles where our kids are unseated. That wasn't, that wasn't uh, by accident. Uh, Colin being the first Kalamazoo winner, unseated, not by accident. Brian Nelson won Easter Bowl, unseated, not by accident. Jensen was a wild card into Easter Bowl, won Easter Bowl, not by accident. Like, I didn't believe in chasing points in the juniors. And so it was real simple philosophy. Like, we don't play to get points. And so with that philosophy, then, then you throw that out there and you maneuver around the system. Well, okay, we have to get into these tournaments, so we need a certain amount of points, right? Like I said, okay. And then I said, okay, in these tournaments, I don't want our kid to be the one seed. I don't want them to be not in the tournament they're supposed to play. Let's get our kid to where they're about the middle of the UTR. Like, like give me that on a regular basis, right? So before UTR tournaments even came out, I was like, I had the parents look up the UTRs of the tournament, tell me like, are they in the top five? Are they in the bottom five? Are they in the middle? Sometimes I want so many tournaments with them at the them at the bottom, so many of them at the middle. I want it like 30, 30, 30%. And, and, and we maneuver because I want them to feel it. Play up, play down, play and hide. Right, right, exactly. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't do this by points. I couldn't do this by age group, like, like a, a huge disservice of what we do is like kids winning O and O, O and O, O and O, O and O, and then losing in the semis, right? Like, like I'm like, all right, uh, you just taught them that every match should be O and O, like, like, and 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 you got to understand you're doing that at a young, a young age, right? And so those are those are very now when he gets to 16 and he's not winning O and O first round, well now he's failing and he's not doing the correct things and it's it's so much more difficult. So. It's all these systems that that, like I believe I believe the point system is one hundred percent wrong. But okay, whatever. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It can't be your excuse why you don't succeed. And you just you just maneuver around it. And you go okay, well, well, how do we how do we adjust to that? I mean, ITFs to me, the juniors and and I mean that 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 one's just baffling to me. Like we're gonna fly around the world, waste so much money just to play a grand slam, like, like in, 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 I saw players 50 on tennis recruiting, fly around all the way to the country, get enough points to get into the grand slam. That was just beyond me. That was like, if you don't see a flaw in that system, like it's unbelievable, but I had to convince my families and then convince my parents, hey, grand slams, juniors, not important. I'd rather you, get to ITFs and pick up an ATP point, that's more important to me. Your world ranking is more important to me than ITF juniors. So by the time you should be playing ITF juniors, really, you could probably play ITF 15Ks, right? In 25Ks. So I was just like, this is my philosophy. Done, sold. I don't care about ITF juniors. I'm not flying all around the world, playing a level four for $3,000 in wherever, when right. I can get the same competition in California. 
Yeah. Well, I will say that one of the benefits to coaching on tour is that you take that knowledge and bring it back to your academy. And you get to say, okay, who can hit the ball? Who can compete? And who's going to be able to manage what comes at the next level? And that, and then you start preparing them for that. And that's the biggest, one of the biggest benefits that I found by, you know, obviously leaving your academy is never fun. There's always parents that are disgruntled who can care less. <laughs> you can care less you're out there with Jensen or whoever. They're like, I need you to be here, right? Um, but I think one of the benefits is being able to come and bring that to say, hey, look, here's what's next. And here's what we need to prepare for because you can hit the ball fine. You compete well. You've got all the other stuff. But mentally being able to focus and balance and not be bothered by other stuff, that to me has been a huge benefit. Um, and man, I wanted to just thank you for spending so much time with us. It's always great. Uh, you know, one of the things when I think about like coaches, you talk about sort of it being a thankless job is one of the times with our sport and sort of growing these individual players brands and getting to know the players is that every week only two players hope to, to get the microphone. Yeah. Right. The winner and the finalists. Right. And really no one even cares what the finalist says. Right. So really one player. Right. And no coaches. Yep. Right. Get the microphone. So I, I enjoy being able to have coaches on here to talk about what it's like, their experience, um, because without guys like you, there are no players on tour that we can watch on TC. Uh, guys, guys like us. Guys you know, like guys us. like us. Right. So I, I appreciate your time. I, um, you know, I, I, I do got to ask you, I do hear that you wear slippers on court and not real shoes. <laughs> Yeah, if you want me to stand up, I got flip flops on right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I'll give you I'll give you the, the look, man. Oh man, I, I was so I was in Indian Wales. I was like, all right, who's this guy? Because I'd never met him. Like, who's this guy? And he was like, oh, he's got jeans. I was like, he's got jeans on. He's like coaching. He's got jeans. On. I was like, yeah, and he wears slippers on the tennis court. Yeah. I was like, oh, after like six hours in a row on court, I can kind of dig that because I've. I used to wear Crocs on the court <laughs> sometimes when my feet were bad and you know that kind of thing. So I won't give you a hard time, but I will tell you that that, that was a, that was a little rumor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That means I'm making an impact out there. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a, for better or for worse. No, I mean I don't like tennis clothes. Like like <laughs> so I just like I'm looking at how everybody's dressed. I'm not dressing like Nadal. I can't go out. Looking like that, and, and I'm not, I'm not 25 anymore. I'm not 30. I'm, I'm 43. Hey, and, and those clothes don't look as good on us because I swear, Federer, <laughs> the stuff that he wears is so tailor made. That's oh. not what I'm buying in Dick Sporting Goods. I'm like, nah, it, that, that, yeah. that it didn't look like on him like it looked like on me. So it doesn't look good on me. So I might as well wear what I want to wear. I got to represent California a little bit too. You know, we we're a little more laid back. We got the the flip-flops, the shorts, the, 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 I, the funniest thing is I could tell I went, I think Jensen was one year at the US Open and I went on those first five courts, right? And, and where it's just packed and so many players and everything. And I did, I walked out there in flip-flops and, and I definitely got, I definitely got some looks that time. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just like, if I'm going to be out here this much and, and, that kind of stuff. Unless somebody tells me I can't do it. <laughs> like, yeah. like I gotta, I gotta be myself out there. And I, I, I find that to be important, but uh, I appreciate your time talking like this. I think the podcast for coaches 
is, um, is amazing because like you said, we don't get the microphone. Uh, we don't sit in the interviews. We, we can't help. I, I even feel that sometimes. Like I want to go to the interviews with the players to help them sometimes. Like, like that's a, it's a very stressful scenario. I mean, I mean, you watch these basketball players, like they got their coaches there and they got their teammates there to, to yeah. shoot questions off of. Right. And, and to do that. And for me, the stress level is so high there that sometimes, you know, these podcasts and like you, you and I aren't talking about Jensen today or talking about like, like specific players or, or this, we're just talking about tennis, right? And we're talking about coaching and we're talking about our systems. And I feel like th- you know, this is great what you're doing because it, it, it shines a light on the system, right? And, and what we're going through on the day-to-day and, and what it is. And I feel like this should be talked about more, you know, uh, uh, to make our sport better. Mm-hmm. And, and who better than yourself to talk about it that's been in the trenches, that's been like, like from, from growing the business from the scratch and then going from, you know, the places you were at to going all the way to Grand Slams and, and having, being in the winner circle. When you got uh, uh, someone like yourself doing that from, that's like building the foundation uh, uh, from the very, like laying the, the brick and then getting to the mountaintop. Well, that person, um, you know, is usually to me the humblest, <laughs> like like very humble, very very low ego, very very uh, has had a lot of failures, you know, <laughs> like has had some rough times. And that person, um, who better to listen to and to hear thoughts and 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 um, experiences? Well, let me say this. Let me give you a piece of advice. I, I remember. U.S. Open 2018, right? You know, come back, defending champion. Everybody's always worried, I got to go defend fourth round. I got to go defend whatever. Now you got to go back and defend the title. Otherwise, thousands of points are falling off. Um, I advise coaches to go to the interviews because a conversation can change a mindset. And when you're at a tournament, from the time you leave dinner with that player to the time they get in the car the very next day, Literally, it can be two different people and something they heard on, you know, from a commentator or something they read totally changes their mindset. So I like to and and let me just say this. Journalists are professionals at asking questions and tennis players are not professionals at answering. I like to go to the interview to to see what I need to undo. I need I need to understand because really it's a kind of when I ask you a question. Even if you choose not to respond, it was a one-way conversation, but it was still a conversation that like do you might prep, have brought up a thought. Do you prep players on, on the, the interviews? I, I, I've done that before. So if there's, if there's a controversial thing, they'll say, hey, you're probably going to get asked this. Right. Um, what you going to say? Right. right? And I, I've coached players who are very mature, very articulate, right. and like, you know, adults. But most of the work comes after. So like, hey, somebody said, you know, you go on an interview and they say, well, you know, you know, people are commenting on how slow you serve. Right. Right. And I, as soon as we get out of there, they don't coach you. I do. Right. So that's what you do. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. It's, not about, it's not about what you can do. It's about right. how you win. So right. this is how we win. 
stick to the plan, right? You know what I mean? I guess. I think that's great because it's funny you say that. I watch interviews throughout all the sports. I watch it with the golfers. I watch I watch interviews probably more than I watch games because because I I agree with you one hundred percent. Listening to a player in an interview will will tell you exactly where they're at in their mind in their space because they're not professional at talking through that like as coaches i feel like it would be pretty easy for us like like i feel like ask me any question you want man like 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 put me on the spot i'm good with it i'm a 43 year old man (laughs) i'm not 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 scared of twitter and not scared of instagram and not scared what anybody's gonna say i can answer your questions and and i can shoot it straight with you and i'm not not going to hide behind anything and and so when you watch these interviews you kind of you see what the players are protecting you see what they're they're scared of you see what how they respond you see if they're they're confident and i always joke around like 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 the basketball at stress like when they're first winning they look like like you know steph curry and michael jordan and all these guys when they win their first NBA title, right? They like it's celebrations, got kids on their laps, and they're 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 it's all happy times in Disneyland. And then by the third one, they're just like laying on the ground, hugging the trophy, <laughs> like just so stressed out, and then like just just like oh man, like I'm going to relief. Instead of joy, is relief. It's relief. It's not it's not happiness anymore. It's like like Nadal's one of the best at ever doing it. As far as making it, making it happy and making it uh, 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 where it's it's still amazing from the looks of it, but but most of them that I see a lot of the time relief, but that's sports, right? Because it's always what have you done for me lately? So then it's it's very much that mindset of like after you win, like are you going to win next time? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? So expectations go up. So the interviews, it's so funny you said that the interviews I watch quite a bit like i watched even uh, uh i watched the guys who get asked questions uh, about chance you know and i watch i watched what they had to say uh at the interviews and what they were saying and what what how they were articulating it and and what their thoughts were um about them because because that that like you said they're, they they you can't they're just not good at you know hiding their 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 answers that much and if they do hide it it looks so blatantly obvious <laughs> <laughs> like they are hiding it because they're like you said most of them are just kids yeah they're, they're, and, they're, and we're probably homeschooled right and probably didn't go to college right and now we got some college educated dude with a master's in journalism <laughs> it's like it's like really trying to catch them off guard or bring or opening up an insecurity that yep. we as a coach try to hide for at least 14 days. Yeah, like we, go, we go to the French Open. I know you feel a certain kind of way about this or feel insecure about this. I'm going to try to like build that up yep. and bluff that. That yep. one thing, I'm going to try to bluff the hell out of it. Yeah. It gets you to believe, right? For yeah. 14 days. And I can't have one person as, so I like to just know what I need to bring up at dinner. Yeah. Right? What do I need to, what was said today? That's why I always say, come out the locker room. Don't spend too much time in the locker room. Yeah. that's also right? yeah, yeah. mindset yeah, so like, what do i need to reverse you and i have a lot of similar philosophies there you know, so. a, lot of, a lot of similar philosophies i mean it's so good i talk to you this way because then it, it kind of uh, confirms so much of my gut right like like so much of my 
you know, because you are out there on your own a lot and you are kind of, kind of figuring it out. And, and, and um, I do ask questions and, and I do talk to some of the coaches out there, but I also like to, to like sit back and, and kind of watch, right. And, and kind of, you know, uh, uh, observe and, and oversee and kind of gain a, a perspective here, everybody. And then like, okay, this is what I see. And I believe so. So really, really appreciate talking to you. Appreciate your time. And, um, you know, it's been great. Uh, if you ever want to do it again, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to. Great. Well, this has been a tennis.com podcast with Joseph Gilbert. He is a producer of tons of young champions, mostly known for being start to finish, right? Driving force behind Jensen Brooksby, who's now one of the highest ranked American players. Sort of this mythical player that everybody now is trying to figure out how he wins, right? Without the quote unquote big weapons, right? Uh, and so I want to congratulate you on your success and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, brother.